When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Comeback win for the ages. Welcome to Leafs Dog Forever, episode 11. You're with Spencer. Kyle is back in the house, recovered. And Scott, still recovering from COVID. He's still sick, so he won't be probably talking as much because he's dealing with a, a nasty cough. Um, so yeah, welcome to the pod. Uh, the, uh, the Discord chat uh, group chat for the Leafs is live. Uh, messages if you want the link. Uh, remember to hit the... Uh, the follow button on the Inside the Ring Twitter page, Facebook page, Instagram page. Go to the website, check them out. This is a partnership with them. And currently, I am banned from Facebook sharing on groups, so you won't be able to read any of our articles based on the pod unless you go to our Twitter page. Jersey segment 11. Let's hit it. Scott, let's get it going. All right, so my favorite number 11 is Owen Nolan, and I liked him much for the same reasons I liked Gary Roberts, which I listed in a previous uh, episode. He was a physical power forward who could score, pass, kind of kind of an all-around guy. Uh, yeah, I just liked the way he played. I think he added a much-needed element to the team. My favorite number 11 for the Toronto Maple Leafs was Jay McClement. He played 129 games with the Leafs, had 27 points, in those 129 games, Jay was typically a fourth line center. He was also um, a guy you'd throw in there in a defensive zone, uh, defensive draw, defensive zone face off, and he was very good at the draws. So he was kind of like a um, like a Dominic Moore type of player back in the day, but he was pretty solid and he played with the Leafs until. Um, 2014 when he signed with the Hurricanes. But yeah, Jay McClellan was my, my favorite Leaf. Jay McClellan was also one of my favorite Leafs on the team, Kyle. Um, my favorite number 11, Zach Hyman. Unfortunately, he left for Edmonton, but when he was here, he was the en- engine that kept this team going. Penalty killer, power play, goal scorer, digger, everything you want to name. Zach Hyman, I don't think um, he's acclimated too well with the Edmonton system. Personally, I think Michael Bunting is a better fit um, on both Toronto and Edmonton teams, like his style. I know Zach Hyman plays a similar style, but I just think that you leave Toronto, your hometown, you go to Edmonton, you sign for $5 million, and you play on their third line, kind of a kick in the, uh, well, you know what. But that's enough of that. Scott, let's get to the classics. So for classics this week, we have quite a few, much like we had uh, two episodes ago. So instead of giving a breakdown of points and when they played, I'm just going to list them all. Uh, Bob Nevin, Mike Gardner, uh, one of three 50-goal scorers in Leaf history, Gary Lehman. Uh, one of, I think it's like six Calder Trophy winners in Maple Leafs history, Brett Selby. And two players who went on to be coaches in the NHL, Bruce Boudreau and Ron Wilson. 
Fun fact about Bruce Brujo, obviously Ron Wilson was the head coach of the Leafs for some time. Bruce Brujo uh, wanted to interview as the assistant Leafs, or assistant coach of the Leafs this past season. And I think the season before, he's always dreamed about uh, coaching for the Leafs. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Now, Bruce, there it is on Vancouver. I also have a fun fact. Uh, Spencer could have chose Nick Andropov, but he didn't because he chose him in a previous episode. And Nick Andropov gave up number 11 on the Toronto Maple Leafs. In order that so that Owen Nolan could could wear it when he came. Oh, what a standout guy, huh? Hey, I told a story when I met him. He was a standout guy. He just continues to impress. Owen Nolan, also from Ireland. Another fun fact. I do not know Nolan. that. Yeah, not Canadian. I think he actually has a Canadian citizenship, if I'm not wrong, or maybe an American one. But yeah, from Ireland. I think he actually might have played for Canada in some World Championship or whatever. But he was born in Ireland. Um, game recap. What a great game that was. Down 2-0 early. Storm backed. Kicked ass. Ended up winning 4-3. Kyle, we'll start with you. Welcome back to the pod. We should have mentioned. I think I already mentioned it, but personally, welcome back. Get your game recap. Yeah, thank you, Spencer. Um, that was one of the best Leafs games I've seen in a while. It was just one that kept you on the edge of the seat. Well, I mean, minus the first period. First period, I kind of just... was. I, I'm not going to lie, I uh, I had doubt in them after the first. Um, and my parents kept telling me, oh, yeah, just maybe it'll get better, maybe it'll get better. Turns out it did. So, uh, yeah, great uh, great third period. Second period was even looking really good. Um, I know after the first, the shots were crazy. Uh, it was like 16 to 6 or something like that. And then towards the second period, we, we were only down by like, six shots or something, Tampa Bay had outshot us. And then um, third period, yeah, that was crazy. Even when uh, when I saw Marner, it looked like it, he was shooting the shooting the score, but then you watch the replay and it's like, oh, yeah, that was 100% a pass. So that Vasilevsky had to push it out towards the other end. And that was like, that was crazy. That was a perfect pass. I couldn't believe it. And then Matthew that scored that. And, yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. But, yeah, overall, crazy game. Um, third period was amazing. Uh, second period was pretty pretty good period. Um, now we're just looking forward to Thursday night. I don't want to have to come come back and come back to Toronto on Saturday. And, yeah, hopefully they can just finish it off Thursday. But see what happens. Yeah, I agree. Finishing off Thursday would be obviously ideal in Tampa, handing them their first back-to-back loss in a playoff series in, what, 17 games now? Um, one one thing I, I want to point out is, Kelly already pointed out on the Canadian broadcast, I know we mentioned the Canadian broadcast a lot. Obviously, we'll stop eventually. Um, but just for those listeners who don't know what broadcasts we're watching, um, he pointed out, during the TV timeout after Tampa was up 2 nothing, Jason Spitzer got off the bench, met um, Jack Campbell talking to Eric Shogren, and basically gave him a little prep talk. And in it, it kind of just, like, when you watch it, it kind of just seemed like he was like, you got this, like, don't sweat it, you're better than this, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And it seemed to work. Jack Campbell came out to, after that TV timeout, and kind of whooped ass. Um, secondly, I never thought we'd say this on this podcast, and me and Scott were... We're very impressed during the game. I don't know. I don't know who it was. If it was Steve Simmons, if it was Bruce Arthur, I don't know who, what idiot 
came to Sheldon Keefe after the game the other night and said, why did you play your worst defenseman on your team? Sheldon Keefe asked, who's your worst defenseman? He said, Justin Hall. He said, that's your opinion, I guess. I'm sure they played that audio clip 1,800 times to Justin Hall because he came out looking super, like, uh, put together. He was strong on um, when when Tampa was forechecking. He had uh, sticks in the in the way. He cleared a goal away. He was he was hitting. He seemed to get on Kucherov's nerves a lot during the the second and third period. Like I I never thought it's his, but like I would say maybe play Justin Hall next game if he plays exactly like that next game and going forward, Toronto actually might have a chance to have again without with with him in the lineup have three solid defensive um, pairings. And as you know, I don't think any of us were actually or actually Justin Hall fans, but I was super impressed. Yeah, no, he definitely had a uh, had a solid game. Uh, there, obviously, there's a little little couple things that he didn't do right, but yeah, overall, I'd I'd say it was one of the best games I've seen him play in a while. And um, like you said, he he was getting under the, the forwards uh, forwards of Tampa Bay's nerves. So uh, Kucherov was looking a little frustrated there at one point, as he was uh, most of the night. I'm not sure if you guys saw in the one play he like slammed his slammed his stick or yelled or something like that because he, uh, he had like one timer and he like woofed on it or something. Oh yeah, there was that William Nylander's breakaway. Yeah, I think I think yeah. that's what turned into that. But yeah, Justin Hall, pretty solid game. I would uh, I kind of had doubt as to why. Keith went back to the exact same lineup that he did last game after a after a loss, but uh, I think at that point Keith wanted to prove that like these guys are okay to go in for the next game, and I'll kind of prove you wrong with this lineup, and that's exactly what he did tonight. So, I, I actually had a conversation with someone in the Discord about it, and we both agreed that we thought Lilligren would have been coming in. We didn't understand why Justin Hall was playing. Obviously, I guess. You could argue Sean Keefe knows more than we do because he's an actual coach and we're not. But it, it just the way he played in that game where he made a couple of mistakes, especially one that led to the goal, it didn't really make sense to me that he would be playing again. But, yeah, like Spencer said, we were talking during the game and he was – I thought he played well. It was surprising. I mean, barring the first period where everybody on the Leafs kind of played like crap. But then second and yeah. third, I thought everybody stepped up their game. But he had a few noticeable plays more than usual that were positives and not negatives. So I was pleasantly surprised. And one thing that I noticed, Scott, is uh, I think it was episode three or four, you talked about how he does that thing with the skates where he fakes to go one way and goes the other. Um, and usually he bobbles the puck within a skates or a stick, whatever, turnover. This time he did that on Braden Point, going kind of head first into the boards and turned, and that play actually led to the Wilm Nylander. Like he was the catalyst of getting the puck up the ice in a, in a, fa- in a timely fashion as well as pulling one of the four checkers with him now leading to William Nylander scoring their third goal of the game. So I, I was impressed because those things aren't things that we've seen by, from Justin Hall since what his first, I think it was his first game when he scored him and Dermot both scored in their first NHL game. Like that's, that's what 2018. Like it's been a while since we've seen Justin Hall that consistent. Uh, yeah. Like I always, it always annoys me when he does that. It's like a juke move, but then it gets tangled up in his feet. I didn't notice it on the Nylander. You said Nylander? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if, if it happened, then good on him. It finally starts working for him because he does that a lot, and most of the time it just gets tangled up in his feet or the, the player he's trying to uh, spin away from speed or just gets tangled up in the boards and he loses control. So 
Yeah, I thought he played well, uh, better than I thought he was going to. I thought we were going to come out of this game ripping on him. Uh, yeah. Much like last game, and, and everybody would be clamoring again for Lilligren to come back in. But yeah, I thought of all the defensemen, he was one of the best in the game for the Leafs. And and we mentioned this. Uh, we've mentioned this. A, sorry, excuse me. We've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. One being, um, like, don't be that fan that's a DM and these players and stuff. And I, I think after that game, he got a lot of hate. So maybe it wasn't just the coach who had something to prove. Maybe it was him. And I mean, like, obviously he's he's not going to be Morgan Riley tomorrow. Like, he's not going to be the main guy that we talk about on this podcast on defense, but. It's nice to see a player uh, prove people wrong a little bit. And, 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 in fact, he actually proved me wrong because today I put on an article about how Sheldon Keefe's uh, lack of lineup decisions could prove to be costly in this game, and one of them was Justin Hall. And then he comes out and, and shows maybe it wasn't. Maybe if he plays this way, and Scott even said maybe he ended up rebuttaling kind of with himself and talking himself out of it, but he said there's a potential that you could put Labuchkin and Justin Hall on the same pairing against I wouldn't necessarily put them out against all the top lines, but like if you put them out against Kucherov tonight, Kucherov would have probably had a mental breakdown. Like Scott noticed Labuchkin was on Kucherov, Justin Hall was on Kucherov, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody were on Kucherov. Like if they play him consistently, those two guys on the star player and they actually do their jobs, it seems like, I don't know what you think Kyle, but it seems like that could be a design factor in series in the series. Yeah, there there are definitely a couple of big bodies that will uh, will get in the way, and Hall doesn't hit as much as Labushkin does, but uh, yeah, they're both a couple of big bodies that'll get in your way, and um, I think Keith went out with a message to prove, and that is his guys for this lineup are going to change, even though if their last game they didn't have a very good one. Um, so like you said, he proved you wrong and kind of proved me wrong because I said going into this game, why are they not doing anything, um, with regards to lineups, like nothing at all. And I was not too happy about that. But on that point, um, what would you guys do next game? Would you do any changes or would you just keep it the same and, um, stick with the same lineup we've had these last two games? I just have a point to, to touch on real quick. Spencer said I, I kind of talked myself out of the whole Labushkin pair. And the reason for that was I thought uh, Morgan Riley seems more like a fit with Labushkin because he's quicker. So if, if Labushkin gets caught, then or if Riley pinches, Labushkin knows that Riley's quick enough to almost always get back. He doesn't always. but Whereas if he's paired with Hall and Hall pinches, usually Hall doesn't really get back. So that was just the reasoning of why I talked myself out. But to answer Kyle's question, I would – Defense, I think I'd leave the same, which I'm shocked about because I thought for sure I would have been saying like Justin Holland. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, forwards, I think I think Cashin needs to come out. I think of all the forwards, he like he had moments in the game, but I don't think he has really done much. You could argue the same about Engvall. Uh, besides game, what was that game three? But I feel like Kasha yeah should come out because he hasn't really done much. He digs for the puck the odd time. He's mentioned on the broadcast here and there, but other than that, I don't think he has a point. So if Kasha comes out, then I think you need to put 
Simmons or Clifford back in because next game for sure I feel like Tampa's going to come out hot and they're going to try to to bully the Leafs physically. Yeah, I I, I agree on that one. I thought Simmons was going to come in this game. And I'm glad he didn't because uh, Jason Spezza, I feel like if it wasn't like Kelly Rudy pointed out, and, and I agree that if, if Jason Spezza probably wouldn't have went over there and talked to, uh, to Jack Campbell, it probably wouldn't have been the same outcome. Um, but, yeah, I think the defense stays the same. Obviously, goalies stay the same. And, uh, yeah, I would say I would say Kasha comes out, Simmons or, or uh, Clifford. I would put Simmons in just because he can play a similar role to Patrick Maroon, who I don't know if you guys noticed, but basically wasn't mentioned until the third period after that little stint that he had with Austin Matthews when Matthews basically said, F you, I'm not backing down. Like, Clifford can do that. He can go out there, get under a couple guys' skin, maybe throw some hits, go out there and defend his teammates if needed, but also he can sit on the bench and only play six minutes and then Matthews double shifts or Marner or Nylander or whomever's going. So I, I like your plan with that one, Scott. Kasha comes out. Simmons Wait, in. you mean Clifford or Simmons? Simmons, I, I I don't know who I said. I think I said Simmons. Yeah, you said Clifford. I said Clifford. You said Clifford can play, like defend your teammates oh, well, on the bench for six well, minutes, whatever. Either either or, really. But I I would put Simmons in the lineup. Sorry, my apologies. Yeah, I definitely agree with you guys on that one. Um, Cash is kind of playing a um, a role for the Leafs right now, where he's in there and he's to hit guys and. Um, fish pucks out of the corners, but, um, yeah, it, lo- it lo- really looked like he was having a tough time with that tonight. I mean, it wasn't really noticeable, but yeah, he, I don't think he played very much anyways, but, um, like you guys said, Simmons or Clifford, a guy in there who's going to throw around the body a little bit more on the fourth line. Um, or for instance, like, uh, like if they had any problems, um, with Tampa Bay players, um, you'd need one of those guys to step in there and do something because uh, Andre Cash is not going to go out and uh, try and hammer someone or try and fight someone to get back at Maroon for for uh, bullying Matthews. Like, that's just not going to happen. I, I also think that Patrick Maroon uh, situation with Austin Matthews when he kind of hooked him in, I think that kind of poked the bear. I think Matthews was more... Not 100% feeling himself. Maybe he was. I don't know. I, I, I've never been in this situation. But that that whole um, little skirmish there with him, it kind of seemed like he was then energized. Like he he was going at it. He was thrown. He had seven hits. He had numerous shots. Or maybe not like as many shots as I'd want him to have. But he played twenty just under 24 minutes or just over 24 minutes. Like he was buzzing. And I think – I think – in a sense, like Scott's right, those guys are probably going to come out next game in the Tampa and, and maybe get a little bit more physical. But tonight the Stars showed up. That's what I want to talk about next. Tavares potentially got that goal on the power play. Um, I think he might have gotten the assist on the Nylander goal. I'm not sure. Uh, Nylander scored. Matthew scored. Marner with that beauty pass. This is something that we haven't seen probably in any playoff series ever. All four players contributing in one game. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I mean, we, we saw production from, from all of them tonight. Uh, at first, I didn't really know who scored that. Uh, that Nylander goal was kind of a kind of fluke, but it wasn't actually Nylander. Was, like you said, it was Tavares. Um, that, was, that was good. Um, they all played pretty hard tonight. I didn't really see any of them lollygagging. Um, 
because as you know from last game, uh, someone had gotten some hate on certain play. Uh, I think it was last game, right? Yeah, last game. Yeah, and that that corner play. Yeah, popped up. Yeah, yeah. So he had he had gotten some hate for that, and uh, tonight he showed uh, showed who he really is and produced. Um, the depth guys as well still showed um, still showed their game, but yeah, like like you had said, uh, the top the big four had uh, really stepped up tonight, and they all put in their fair share, and uh, it, that's probably what got them the win. And Matthews laying out the body with all those hits, I think they said he had eight hits, nine hits, um, and that was uh, actually no seven. My apologies, seven. But still, that's crazy. And they, they weren't just any hits. Like, some of them were pretty big. Like, I think he had one in the, the bottom uh, bottom corner. I think it was on Colton or Hagel. It was pretty big. And, uh, yeah, and there's that one on Sergeyev that numerous, oh, yeah. people, numerous yeah. people in uh, in the Tampa Bay section said that it was a dirty hit. Yeah, oh God, of course you're going to say that. If that's, if that's a dirty hit, I said this on a group chat, if that's a dirty hit in hockey, I don't want to watch hockey anymore. No, yeah, there should no be. There should be zero physical contact in hockey if that's what they think. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my take on it, and let's keep it going for Thursday, boys, because I want to see more. Yeah, I want to see second round, Scott. What do you think? Uh, well, I think this is what people expected six years ago, five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, last year. Is the star player showing up when needed to push us past the first round? And now that it's finally happening, I mean, you can only be happy about it. Depth players, this game I thought were a bit bit dead. Engvall didn't really do much. McKayev was kind of skating around, but didn't really do much. Cash, as we mentioned, didn't really do much. Of all the depth players, I think Blackwell was the one who did the best. He was all over the ice, I thought. Digging in the corner, skating back on back checks, skating forward on four checks, pressuring the puck, trying to control the puck. But, like you said, it was the star players who showed up, and I think we've been waiting for that for a long time. I think David Camp had a solid game too. Camp, Camp, I don't know. Yeah, Camp, he's had a he's had a solid series though. You're right? He's, yeah, but it's uh, really solid, solid defensive forward. I'd say. Well, actually, he's uh, yeah, I'd say he's more defensive than like a two way forward. But yeah, but he's produced. He has like oh, yeah. two goals. Yeah, I, I feel like he's he's always solid, but it just flies under the radar because he's more solid defensively. Yeah, like I don't think I can remember a time that he's actually had a bad game. Like there's been times, yeah, the like maybe you could argue last game, but that wasn't his fault. Like the whole team played bad, but I don't. I I can't remember a game where you could specifically say like, yeah, David Camp cost us that goal. David Camp didn't do this on that play. Like he's usually a solid player. He just kind of flies under the radar because he's more defensive than offensive. Yeah, I, and I I think that is a a. a, a an amazing point that you make because sometimes he plays from the third line to the last line in games. Like they'll shift him down. And it's not because he's playing bad. It's just because he on a line with say Simmons and Spezza or whomever Blackwell and Spezza, whomever he's on the ice with just, just can close down games a little bit better than maybe how the game is going. And I never really thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, there, there's never a chance that I, or there's sorry. There's never a game that I've said, camp you're terrible. I just haven't seen it. And a lot of people, when he got signed, including myself, I mean, I didn't say I didn't know who he was, but I was like, 1.5 million, like, I, you, you probably could have gave him 800, 
no, one one point five million, hundred percent the deal. Oh yeah, um, and um, just to add to your point, like um, he wasn't really well known. Like none of us Leafs fans wouldn't have really known about him, right? Well, most like mean uh, mean Scott. Yeah, like if cool. if you're a if you're a big hockey fan, but I'm saying for like the average hockey fans that. Um, I think he came over from Chicago, right? And he was like a third liner yeah. in Chicago. Like he wasn't, he wasn't a really big name. Like he was a under the radar player. Um, that Dubis likes to, he let, he's known for these under the radar guys and went out and got it and got him and kudos for him for that. And he's really produced. So now that you say that, actually, this is a perfect time to bring this up before we go into the ad break, and we can discuss it after the ad break. But I'll get the I'll get the juices thrown here or uh, flowing here. When it was two nothing, there was a time when William Nylander, William Nylander was on the ice, and I saw on Facebook in this one group, everyone's like Nylander, Tavares, Kerfoot, trade, trade, trade. He looks like lifeless, like he didn't look energized in the game, and I was thinking. There's no way that this guy's not asking for a trade if Toronto gets beat on the first round. Like, instead of Toronto going to him and saying, like, okay, you're the piece that has to get moved, blah, blah, blah. There's no way that that guy wasn't saying, I'm sick and tired of the fans. I'm sick and tired of losing. I'm tired of blow of this, 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 and this. I'm out. We'll go into the ad break. You guys think about what you think about that. And tell me, if by chance they lose this first round, and, and what, I don't even know how to word this, but what... What trade or what team would you think that he would be one a good fit on? But also, what would be the package back to to accumulate the the skill and the points that he produces? So think about that. We'll hit the ad break right now. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the uh, um, scoreboard scoreboard and many more things. We'll be back. And now a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com Alright, we're back. Bet. Um, bet using that promo code. You'll make some money. Uh, boys, uh, I asked the question before. Maybe don't you don't need to mention the team, potentially. But like, in what package would you see if Nylander said, "All right, I'm out"? Like, what what kind of deal would you think? Would it just be prospects, or would it be picks? Would they clear cap and go for someone of free agency, or like, would you would you want a star player on the same level as Nylander? Um, see, I I want to say they try and package. Um, I would try and package Nylander with. A, it's going to be tough, but package him with Peter Mrazek. Um, uh, you can find a team with, uh, with that's going to want a goalie like Mrazek. They're slim, but it's going to be tough finding a team that wants a wants a goalie because 
there's not a lot of teams out there right now, I don't think, that need a number one goalie or number two. Maybe you could go Edmonton, maybe. Um, but I think you try and package Mrazic with, um, with Nylander, and Nylander will kind of add to Mrazic's value. Once they see, oh, yeah, Nylander's involved, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take him as well. But then it comes down to the point of cap. That'll be like, what, $10 million in cap combined. Um, I don't know who I'd try and give them away to. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe you send them back to Detroit. But what you get in return, I, I have no idea. That I, <laughs> in, a, in a split second uh, decision here. I didn't really know who uh, who'd we, who we'd get back, but obviously someone that can take on some cap, and I would want something solid back in return. So if a team, it was a team like Detroit, I'd want um, a first-round pick for sure, and then maybe um, a, a solid prospect um, and another lower pick. I don't know if you guys think that's – not enough or what, but I'd, I'd say something along the lines of that. I mean, I'm pretty much at that point, if you're getting all that and you're you're getting rid of Mrazic too, it seems like a smart deal. Um, <clears throat> I I well, for starters, I don't think he was going to do that. Obviously, it's hypothetical, but I feel like if they get beat out, I, I don't. I think that. There's this stereotype around Nylander based on what media or, or social media says about him, which may be true. I don't know. I don't know him personally, but I just – I don't – of all the guys, I don't think he's the one who's going to go, I want to leave because we lost the playoff series when – I don't know. I think he'll just be more ready or more happy to come back next season and try to do it all over again. He may leave when his contract's up, but I don't think that will happen. But based on the hypothetical, I will give an answer. And I think – you don't package him. You just send him to a team. I think he's a high-valued player around the league. Like I said, there's a stereotype around him in the media and social media, but there seems that stereotype doesn't seem to exist around front office or players based on what they say about him. So I think he alone could get you a, a big enough deal just by himself. And I think um, you could send him to Calgary. Obviously, he has ties there. His dad used to play. And I feel like you could get a, a second, third-line player and a depth defenseman. Sean Monahan's a free agent. I don't know what his contract would be, but if Calgary isn't willing to give him that contract, then you could do a sign-in trade with Nylander, add in a depth defenseman. I feel like that'd be a good trade in return for the Leafs. And then Calgary adds that added scoring that they could potentially use next year if their other players don't have as good a seasons as they have this year. That's uh, super smart. Um, also, yeah, William Nylander was born in Calgary. Everyone thinks he's Swedish. Technically, he goes by Sweden, uh, Swedish uh, citizenship. But um, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking Calgary for two reasons. Goudreau, um is a free agent this year. He could he could leave, and um, if Matthew Kachuk accepts his RFA offer, his qualifying offer, then he only has to stay there one more year. Then he's UFA. So if he went to St. Louis next year, then William Nealer would kind of fit. Also, 
William Nylander, Elias Lindholm, and Kelly Yarncroke all enjoy playing with Swedish players, and all three of those players are Swedish. So, kind of, kind of interesting that we're. I mean, we weren't thinking a hundred percent along the same wavelength, but interesting. Um, I, I kind of like the idea that you had, Kyle. If I traded him to Edmonton with a package with Peter Mrazek, obviously, uh, Koskinen would probably be probably be gone. I would imagine if you got Peter Mrazek, but. Uh, um, I would probably try and get like a Pugliarvi or a Yamanoto um, and a defenseman, among other things. Maybe, uh, I don't know who one of the defense or forward else I would get. Maybe like a Warren Vogel or something. Um, but the team that kind of came up instantly when you said it was Detroit. And the reason why, Tyler Bertuzzi has always been Toronto's number one trade target going into every deadline. Two years, in the past two years besides this one, Detroit wouldn't trade him because for whatever reason, deals couldn't get done. This year, they couldn't trade him because he couldn't come to Canada because he's not vaccinated. So next year, they're expecting the vaccine mandate to be dropped, and et cetera, et cetera. I think there could be a chance that Romilander fits in Detroit, and I don't think that he would do this either. I'm just it's a thought that popped in my head. But I think Tyler would be the main part of the package that they try and get back, among other things, for Romilander. Yeah, um, yeah. Detroit was just the team that was kind of in my head where I'm like, okay, they got some cap space. Um, players uh, that could come back now that you've, you've talked about Bertuzzi, yeah, I could definitely see him fitting on the second line. But, uh, yeah, the, the likelihoods of this happening, uh, who knows? But, uh, yeah, you, you never know what could what could happen nowadays. Yeah, they, they are fun to talk about it in Scotland, yeah. right? Like the stereotype behind William Nylander is obviously not how front office and other teams see him. They don't see him as as, as lazy as the fans or the media sees him. The other trade that just popped in my mind would be a package to Anaheim and a package back to Toronto with the workings of William Nylander going there to play with Trevor Zegers and Mason Matavish as the key pieces and Toronto trying to pull John Gibson's who might want to own an Anaheim anyways, if in the world he does that and Jack Campbell doesn't come back. Obviously, there's many hypotheticals. But let's hit the scoreboards, Kyle, and uh, let's um, talk a little bit more about the Leafs game, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, for sure. Um, so out of town scoreboards for tonight, we had Carolina beating Boston 5-1. Uh, that makes it Series 3-2 going back to Boston on Thursday. Carolina can win it. Um, I know we all had kind of – we didn't know it was going to happen with Carolina um, with regards to goaltending. So we were kind of like questionable on who's going to win that series. I think I ended up saying Carolina in seven or six or something like that. Um, so maybe maybe that's, that's a possibility. Um, and just looking at it now, Minnesota is up two to one. Uh, halfway through the second over the Blues. That series is tied 2-2. And the Edmonton Oilers are currently down one to nothing against the Kings. That series is tied 2-2 as well. Um, both game, uh, game sixes would happen on Thursday for those. Obviously going to St. Louis because it's in Minnesota tonight and then going back to L.A. because it's in Edmonton tonight. But looking at tomorrow night, we have a big one. Um, Pittsburgh going into New York, up 3-1. to one. 
he can win it in in New York. Um, I don't think any of us expected Pittsburgh to go and win it in six, but uh, it's definitely a possibility. Um, the other one, we also have Washington going to into Florida. That series is tied 2-2 as well. That's been a really back-and-forth series. Um, honestly, kind of surprised Washington has made it this close, um, but I don't really think Florida has shown us um, over, let's say, the past seven years that they're, um, I guess, a playoff team. So um, they, they've still got stuff to prove. But, yeah, they're a, they're a good team out in Florida there. And finally, we have Dallas at Calgary tomorrow. That series is tied 2-2. Again, a very back-and-forth series. Um, very physical series as well, as I'm, I'm sure that everyone's seen what's been going on with Kachak and how he's been getting under the skin of Klingberg, and they fought, and he also fought uh, Michael Raffle, and now Jamie Benn wants some, and oh my gosh. Uh, finally, let's just move on and talk about the Colorado Avalanche winning in four, clean sweep over Nashville. Um, I think you guys saw um, and expected that they'd be winning in four. I think I said five. Um, but, yeah, they they made Nashville a uh, quick sweep of Nashville, and uh, good for them. I'm not sure. Who would Colorado get next in the playoffs? The winner of Dallas-Calgary? No, St. Louis, Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. So they're in for, uh, they're in for a good uh, – Good tough opponent next round. Nothing against Nashville, but uh, yeah, we we just kind of expected them to uh, dominate Nashville, and that's exactly what they did. Scott, um, before you get into your um, topic that you want to talk about, bring up that stat that you told me earlier today about Nashville losing the last game. What? Remember, you told me like if Na- if Nashville didn't lose in the last game, they would have been facing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw on Twitter that, uh, well, um, what's his name now? Daryl Sutter, coach of Calgary, said, like, luckily we're not in last or the last wild card because we won't have to play eight days just to lose uh, to Colorado in four. And then turns out that he was right. Colorado lost or beat Nashville four games. But it turns out that the only reason they had to play uh, Colorado is because they blew the 4 nothing lead to Arizona in the final game of the season. So if they would have won that, then they wouldn't have been swept by the Colorado Avalanche. And they probably still would have been playing hockey because they would have been playing Calgary. And it would have been more of an interesting series. Yeah, that uh, that last game that, that they had played, that was, that was what, the last last final night of the season? Yeah. Um, yeah, they were up 4 nothing, and they lose 5-4. And because of that, they get swept. Um Whereas now they, yeah, I'd say Nashville is comparable to comparable to Dallas, so they definitely still would have been in the series, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, crazy, uh, crazy outcome. It's not even not even like the uh, the series was that one sided though. Like if you look at it, yesterday yesterday I thought Nashville was going to come out with a win. Um, they were up at one point three to two early in the third. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
Scott, do you think uh, do you think if UC Saros was playing, because obviously he was out the whole whole series, um, do you think that he would have made like a big enough difference for them to win a couple games? I don't, think it been... I don't think it would have been that big of a difference. I feel like they would have won one, maybe two games, but I still, yeah. in the end, Colorado still would have won. For sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the other games, um, Colorado 7-3, Colorado 2-1 in overtime. Okay, that's close. And then the first game, Colorado 7-2. Um, Colorado is just a dominating team. We all expect them to go to at least the conference, conference final. Um, and if they don't make it to at least the conference final, then, uh, we will all be surprised, I'm sure. Uh, or at least I know I will, because I I expect them to go to the uh, to go to the cup. But yeah, just one quick thing about that uh, Colorado national game. Um, there is a time when um, there's a time when I think it was Kim McCarr or something like that hit uh, made contact with Matt Duchesne. Who ended up high sticking him in the face? It should have been a, probably been a penalty. The ref didn't call it. Matt Duchesne was supposed to cover Devon Taves down at the other end. He ended up scoring because uh, I missed assignment. And then also, well, National Hunt, their season on the line in an empty net. The ref calls. I know it was interference, but like, come on. 56 seconds left and you call it an interference call? Like, come on. I understand if they score in the National the Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not going to happen. Just would have been cool to let them try, you know, a little bit more than uh, giving them a penalty, and it was just shitty to see, or poopy to see. Uh, Scott, you wanted to say something about uh, another topic here, so we'll get pass it over to you. Uh, yeah, um, I just have a quick point to make. Kyle said that Florida hasn't really had much first round playoff success in the last seven years. Uh, it's been a lot longer than that, I think. <laughs> I think they have a longer first round winless drought than the Leafs do dating back to I think like 98 or 97 I mean hopefully yeah, they can break it this year NHL. yeah hopefully they can break it this year but it's been I think it's been a bit longer than seven years but on my Leafs topic I just uh, last week actually a couple times in the playoff podcast we've talked about refereeing and today was a weird uh, contrast where early in the game when Tampa had control, they were up 2 nothing. There was a lot of penalties being called on both sides. And then it seemed like when the game became more evenly paced, action-packed, Toronto kind of took advantage into more of a game that I think a lot of people thought the series was going to be, not these 5 nothing, 5-3, 7-3 series uh, wins. I thought a lot of people thought, yeah, they may have a lot of goals, but it was going to be a closer 4-3, 5-4, 3-2 series wins, not the bigger differentials. But it seemed like when that happened in the second period, uh, the referees started calling less penalties, and they kind of went back to calling penalties that they would have called in last the last year's playoffs. like Not just last year, but like multiple years. I just thought it was a weird contrast where up until the – first or the second period in this game, it was penalty, 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 constant, no matter who was winning, no matter what point of the game it was. But then it just seemed like they just completely switched. And it was 
we're not going to call everything. We're going to call only when we need to. Yeah, um, on that point, uh, sometimes I feel like they they feel as though they need to be more a part of the game. I don't know about you guys, but uh, <laughs> I think they want more attention or, or something. Because yeah, some of the some of the calls they uh, it's iffy, and then some it's like. Are you kidding me? But yeah, not not everyone can be hundred percent perfect, right? So, um, there was that time that uh, Elliot Freeman was talking in the intermission, uh, going to the third, and he did mention the the interesting call on Stamkos there when he tripped Matthews. Yeah, and at first it was like a two or three second, uh, like a two or three second uh, reaction by the ref. He wasn't, yeah. I don't think he was going to call it, but then Ellie Freeman said it seemed like when the crowd was like, hey, what the hell, that he was like, arm up, okay, that's a penalty. And it just kind of fed off the crowd, which is nice to see because, like, for the last five years, that's been what playoff hockey is. And then this year's just been like, watching other series and then watching this game, this series, unless it's at Toronto, this doesn't seem like a playoff series in Tampa Bay. If the crowd's not as into it, just doesn't seem like it, like, it was nice to actually have that playoff emotion where, you know, me and Scott were like actually kind of shouting a little bit or clapping when they scored kind of thing. Like it was, it was nice to have that experience again because the last couple games have just been there. Uh, well, dog water, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to say now. In my mind. All right. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> join in if you have if you can think of it. Um, one of the last things I just want to mention was uh, again. I I don't know why this bothers me so much. I think I understand why, but I mean I'm not going to go into super big detail about it. But one thing I I noticed that really got to me tonight was when it was two nothing. I would say 85 percent of Leafs Twitter folded, folded like a cheap tent. In fact, that's what someone said about the Leafs. They folded like a cheap tent. So did Leafs Nation. And then what happened when it was 3-2? The tornado flew by, and guess what? Everyone picked up their tents, reset them up, and was just the biggest Leafs fan again. And then it was 3-3. Guess what happened then? Oh, same old Leafs, BS, BS, BS. And then when Matthew scored, it was like, Oh my gosh, we're gonna win the Stanley Cup! Like this is why other fan bases don't respect us as a fan base. This is why our own fan base just makes fun of them. Like you know, like it just doesn't make. I I make fun of Leafs fans, and I'm a Leafs fan because it's like, come on, like stick to your guns. If you're confident in the team, be confident. Because after Game One, everyone was saying Stanley Cup winner. Carl Kuliakov talked about this, so if you can go to Instagram, listen to his um his segment that he posted because like you shouldn't. That, that same emotion that you're going through also forces the players to go through that same emotion. Like when it's 2 nothing, they're probably like, God oh, damn, you know, the, the, the arena's quiet, the fans aren't into it, it's, we lost hope. And then the fans get into it, and then the Leafs start playing better. You know, like it just, it just annoys me to no end. Like go to the game, stick to your gun, be a Leafs fan, be a fan of hockey, don't be a wagon jumper because – Damn, is it going to hurt when you keep jumping off and trying to pick yourself back up and get back on the wagon? Eventually, there's not going to be enough room, and you're going to look like a complete idiot. 
So just next time, if it goes seven games, cheer on the Leafs. Be a fan. You paid 1500 bucks for that ticket. Be there. Be actually involved in the game because when you guys are involved in the game, the Leafs play better. That's why it's called home ice advantage. So play better or um, cheer louder so they can play better. That's my rant for the night. Scott, do you remember what you're going to say? Uh, about the referees, no, but I just quickly want to touch before we wrap up or uh, you or Kyle make your last points uh, about uh, Morgan Riley because I thought he was absolutely horrible in tonight's game. Yeah, he had the goal. I'm pretty sure he had the goal. But there was numerous plays that you could point out where he was just subpar, which is surprising because he is our best defenseman. So you think, especially in the game, um, that's must-win like this one was, do you think he would have stepped up and and been in more control of his, his actions and his play throughout the game? But most notably, the play I can think of is in the first period, I'm pretty sure. And when Toronto was in Tampa zone and he was just kind of gliding up the, the left boards and Victor Hedman just kind of skated up behind him and pushed the puck out of the zone and they had to regroup, like put some effort in. You're the best defenseman. You're, I'm pretty sure you're the most high, the highest paid defenseman on the team. So the team expects a lot out of you. I don't know why you were kind of gliding around, floating around, not doing much in the first couple periods. It was just kind of pretty much what we usually accuse Justin Hall of doing. Uh, I feel like Morgan Riley was that that play style tonight, where he was just looked lost at times, and he he didn't seem to put, be putting in the effort. And it seemed like Keith noticed because he took him off the top power play net, which is ex- I think it was game five last year. He took Matt or uh, Riley off and put Sandine on. This year he put Gio on. So it kind of seems like in the big moments, especially your points stand true. Like points that you're making are two hundred percent. Um accurate, especially in the big moments when we need them. In the first period that most of the Leafs were were kind of lollygagging, kind of floating around. Tampa took control early. But then in the second and third period when everybody stepped up, it just seemed like he he was more noticeable as a, as a negative because everybody else was trying to do everything to make the game a positive. Yeah. And he, you've, you noticed this thing. You've said this numerous times. He is the worst defenseman to keep the puck in at the line. Yeah, I don't know what he does. Like, I mean, maybe there's more, and I just don't think of them. I haven't watched enough past games from the 80s, 90s, whatever. Probably the 80s because it was more high scoring than now. But he just seems like the way he plays the the point coverage on, on the power play is like sometimes he'll just be standing beside the other guy on the other side of the ice, and they do the back pass, and he has to try to skate all the way across the blue line to keep the puck in when he should have yeah. been on that side anyway because the other side of the point was already covered. Or, or he tonight, looks off Matthews. <laughs> yeah, and that happened tonight. It seemed the first power play they had, which then they took him off, I think, the next one. But tonight he seemed, and maybe he had that mindset where, like, I got to kind of step up, but it didn't work out for him. But he seemed to want control of the puck on the power play. Like, there was a perfect chance to pass off to Matthews who could have shot it. Like, he had a clear path lane to the net, but he just kept it to himself, and and then they didn't do anything on the power play. Yeah, I don't know what was wrong with him this game, but hopefully next game he comes back, because if he plays like tonight, then I don't know. He'll be like finding himself on the second unit. Well, probably. <laughs> but I don't know. I think he'll bounce back, but it just tonight was a poor effort in my opinion. 
Kyle, got anything else to, before you want to wrap this up? Um, no, I don't really have anything else. Um, we had some good points made tonight. Um, um, yeah, I mean, two, two more sleeps until game six back in Tampa. Yeah, I have a feeling Tampa's going to come out uh, firing as they as they should. So the Leafs got to be it's got to be ready for that for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, Thursday Thursday night, um, seven seven thirty, game six. Please get this done and over with, so I'm not going into game seven all stressed out um, like many Leafs fans. Not that I don't have faith in them, but just. Um, it would just save me and other Leafs fans some stress. And plus, if if we're to win on Thursday, we it gives it could potentially give us um, some more rest for the next round, right? Yeah, um, probably almost a week. I think the yeah. next round would start on the Wednesday. Yeah, so that that would be that would be big. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have anything other than that tomorrow night. Like I discussed, um, big game out in New York. Pittsburgh could can win it. I really hope to see them win because I think this is the last year you could see the Latang, Malkin, Crosby combo win it yeah. again. Um, as we had discussed in prior podcasts, Latang and Malkin are both free agents. Um, also a big one out in Florida game, uh, game five or yeah, game five. Um, and game five out in Calgary. That'll be good as well. So another good night of hockey for us tomorrow. Yeah. Um, make sure that you, uh, if you can't tune in any games, tune into the Florida-Washington game because it definitely um, will – it's a kind of a little pre-scout for the fans to see who we face. Uh, Scott, you got anything else to add? Just quick touch on that. Either of those two teams, I think, will be a good series. I mean, like I said, this series against Tampa isn't going exactly as I thought. Like, I picked the least to win, but I didn't expect the scores to be as, like, the differentials, like I mentioned earlier. But I feel like the games we played against Washington this year and the games we played against Florida this year, <coughs> excuse me, could kind of be used as a good uh, stepping off point or a good storytelling uh, mechanism to, to build hype for those series. So, Either of those two teams, I think, would be a, a tremendous series for the Leafs based on the games they played this year. Yeah, and if Toronto beats Tampa, they can definitely beat Florida. And I think that they are the better team by 300% over or over Washington. Um, well, if everyone's good, um, we'll close her off here. Reminder, donations. If you can donate, donate. We're really hoping for a donation by hopefully if Tron makes it to the third round or fourth round, our final story, we can get a donation. Merch. Buy some merch. Who wouldn't want a Leafs Talk Forever shirt? Your favorite podcast underneath your Leafs jersey when you go to the game and pay 1500 bucks a share on the boys. <laughs> Subscribe. Subscribe <laughs> to this podcast. Then it will come to your phone, to your tablet, to your computer, whatever network you use every time you drop them. So then you're up to date with all Leafs talk forever. Social media again, Leafs, Leafs Forever Pod on Twitter, Leafs Talk Forever on Instagram. The Instagram's kind of dead. Let's liven that stuff up. Let's liven it up because uh, we've got a good following there, and we definitely uh, would definitely be another avenue to listen to the podcast. 
get to know the podcast, get to know the guys on the podcast, and kind of shoot the breeze with us in the DMs. They're on the podcast and shoot the breeze. So that being said, thank you. Good night. Have a wonderful two sleeps before we get back at it on Wednesday and kick some Tampa ass. Thursday. What I say. What Wednesday? <laughs> hey, Scott. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Go, go do that. Go do that. Yeah, my, Kyle, this is my Adam Sandler impression. She had a. Solid. Solid. So, I, solid. I, I don't know if you sing Eye of the Tiger, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, bring back the segment. Way to go, Kyle. You made me mess up and say Wednesday because my calendar is off. And I yeah, but that's I'm Scott this time. Way to go, yeah. boys. Let's get her going on Thursday night. We will be back with you Thursday night. Podcast will drive, drop Friday. Let's get it. Go Leafs go. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Go Leafs go. <laughs>